0: So this Advent season, uh, we're going to be considering the announcement of Christ's birth. And this is just the one message that I'm doing. Pastor Reed is going to do the rest of them in the series. But again, we're going to look at uh, the announcement of Christ's birth. So when it was found out uh, by Mary, by Joseph, by the shepherds, that Christ would be born. That's what uh, we're going to be looking at this Advent season But this morning, we're actually going to look at an entirely different birth announcement. It's still part of this series. It was planned out by Pastor Reed that I would have uh, this passage. Uh, But we're going to actually look at an entirely different birth announcement. Not Christ at all, but it's actually a different baby's birth announcement. And this birth announcement that we're going to look at this morning is still definitely connected to Christ's announcement. As the baby who we're going to look at, uh, as the baby who is announced in our passage this morning would be the one who would announce Christ's coming. For those uh, that are here this morning uh, who, have been, who have given birth to a child, or if you're just sitting here and, and you have loved ones who have given birth to a child, it's usually a really exciting time. Uh, there may be some other responses depending on the circumstances of the birth, maybe. Maybe there's shock. You didn't expect it uh, to come. But in the Christmas story, uh, as I've already said, there there are two birth announcements. One is the obvious one. It's Christ's. And the other is the one we're going to look at this morning. But both of these birth announcements are shocking. There's excitement that comes, but the initial reaction is is shock, it's surprise. They didn't see it coming. Uh, And Pastor Reed is going to be looking at the announcement of Jesus' birth, as I already said, so I don't want to steal his thunder, I don't want to go into that passage really at all, as he's going to be looking at that in depth, but the birth announcement that we have this morning that we're going to be looking at uh, was very shocking too. And you might have gathered some of that from the passage that Eric read, but the parents who were having this child, they were not young. They were actually quite old. And and what also added to their surprise is they had never had any children. It it didn't seem like they could have children uh, at that point. So they were pretty surprised when they got this birth announcement that they would be having a baby. So what I want us to consider this morning as we open up this sermon series Uh, this Advent season, is to consider the birth announcement of the one who would announce the coming of Jesus. So that will be our theme of our message this morning, considering the birth announcement of the one who would announce the coming of Jesus. And I will um, just let you know that we're going to start with the passage that Eric read, but we're actually going to be looking at a good amount of passages, and I'm going to try and make those clear and wait for you to get to them because it will be important for you to, to flip along with me. Uh, I usually like to stick in the same passage, but to, to understand this birth announcement, we're going to have to look at a few different portions of scripture and even in different books of the books of the Bible. But the first thing I want us to consider is this baby's birth announcement. And in the portion of scripture that Eric read, we saw uh, this birth announcement. And just to, pre- just to summarize a few of the things that we saw, we were introduced to this, the parents of this child, and their names were Zachariah and Elizabeth. We're told Zachariah was a priest, and we were told that Zachariah and Elizabeth were followers of God, that they sought to live godly lives. And we're told and maybe uh, for our passage today, most importantly, we're told that they don't have any children. Okay, they weren't able to have any children because of Elizabeth. And the birth announcement comes in the form of an angel coming to the father Zechariah. Okay, when the parents find, when we think about our lives today, when we find out that that someone's that you're having a baby, uh, usually it's by through natural means, maybe it's through a pregnancy test, maybe it's an ultrasound that reveals to you that you're having a baby. And here in our passage, we're going to even see with Jesus' birth, we're going to see that it actually comes in the form of an angel. Okay, the birth announcement, the, the first time these parents find out is through an angel. And here Zachariah finds out he will be a father through the message of an angel. So it's, it's really quite the birth announcement. And Zechariah's initial response was, he was terrified. When this angel showed up, uh, he didn't know why the angel was there yet, but his his initial response was to be terrified. What I want us to zero in on now is this actual birth announcement. What was said um, to Zechariah, and we see four things in Luke chapter 1, verses 13 through 17. We find four things that this birth announcement communicates. The first thing it communicates or the first thing that we find about this birth announcement is that it actually answered Zachariah's prayer. So if you look with me in your Bibles, at Luke chapter 1, verse 13, we see it actually answered his prayer as it says in Luke 1, verse 13, but the angel, the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zachariah. And then it says this, for your prayer has been heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. So the angel says, for your prayer has been heard. And and we're not told the content of this prayer. He doesn't say your prayer for, and goes on to say what it is. But I believe in the context of this passage, we can gather that the prayer was for a child. Okay, as, as he says, for your prayers been heard. And then he goes right on to say, and your wife Elizabeth will be, bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. If there are parents here today, okay, you probably prayed for children. So if you have children today, probably many of you actually prayed for those children. Maybe you were trying for a period of time and you couldn't have ch- children, and you prayed to the Lord that he would give you children. And maybe there's even here, some here today that are currently praying that God would provide them children. So we can relate with Elizabeth and Zachariah who hadn't been able to have children. They actually probably, they got to the point where it didn't seem like they were going to have children anymore. Uh, they had been praying for children children, that God would give them a baby and, and they get their answer here. And the angel says, you are going to have a baby. The second thing that this birth announcement communicates is that this son would be special. So the baby that they're going to have, Zachariah and Elizabeth, it's going to be a special baby. Look with me at Luke chapter one, verses 14 through 15. It says, and you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth for he will be great before the Lord and he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. So having a baby is a time where parents rejoice. Their families, their friends, even our church family rejoices when someone's having a baby. And and we see the same was for Elizabeth and Zachariah, as the angel says, and you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. And I want you to just put yourself and maybe some of you can easily put yourself in Zachariah and Elizabeth's shoes, okay? Even if you've had children before, I want you to put yourself in Zachariah and Elizabeth's shoes, and they, could, they didn't think that they could have children. I want you to imagine, after years of thinking you could have no children, dealing with the sadness of it, and in one sense, maybe you've accepted it, maybe they had accepted it, but on the other hand, it was still really difficult for them. Put yourself in their shoes, and, and can you imagine finding out then that you would have a baby, you bet they will rejoice. And the angel says they will do so, and we're going to see that they do so later in our passage. But along with this rejoicing, here in these verses, the angel speaks about this baby being special. Look again with me at verse uh, 15. He says, first, for he will be great before the Lord. And then he goes on and says, and he must not drink wine or strong drink. And then he says, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. Okay, so the fact that he is said to be great before the Lord and that he would have the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb speaks to the fact that God had chosen him and had determined to use him in a very special way. So this was going to be no ordinary baby that Zachariah and Elizabeth were going to have. This was going to be a special Baby. We're going to find out more about why he is so special. The third thing communicated in this birth announcement are instructions. If you look with me, we'll, we'll read again verse 13 and then on through verse 14 and 15. Luke 1 verses 13 through 15 say, But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zachariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. And then here's the first bit of instruction. And you shall call his name John, and you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. And then here's the second bit of instruction. And he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. So many here that have children, probably all of you who have children, You had the opportunity to name that child. You got to choose their name. And here we see that the angel actually gives Zechariah and Elizabeth the name of their child that they should call him, and that name is John. And also we see Zechariah is given instructions that John is not to drink alcohol, which speaks to him being used in a very special uh, way. And we're going to see what that special way is in a few moments. The fourth thing communicated in this birth announcement is what the child would do, okay? And we find this in verses 16 through 17, and I want to break this down into just to four things that we find the child would do. First, we see the child will cause people who were not following God to follow him. Look with me at Luke 1, verse 16. It says, and he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. So John, this baby, one day will actually uh, cause people who aren't following God to follow God once again, or to follow God for the first time in their life. The second thing, as we consider what the angel said the child would do, is we see this child as the one who was said to come in the book of Malachi. If you look with me at the beginning of Luke 1, verse 17, it says, And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah. If you flip to the last book in the Old Testament with me, and just keep your finger in in this Luke passage, just want to briefly show us, in Malachi chapter 4 verses 5 through 6, we find that this son John is the one that Malachi, at the end of the Old Testament, uh, actually prophesied would come. So Malachi, the book right before Matthew, Malachi 4 verses 5 through 6, we see a prophecy that Elijah would come. Malachi 4, and I'll start at verse 5. It says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. Okay, so we're going to actually see that some of these things that are said here in Malachi are said um, in this Luke passage. We'll see that in a moment. But I just want to point out that Malachi said that the prophet Elijah would come, and here in Luke, we find that the angel applies this to John. So Elijah won't literally come back, but John the Baptist uh, is um, being talked about uh, and compared to Elijah, that he's someone like Elijah. and Luke is connecting this to say, this son John is this person that uh, in the book of Malachi prophesied that he would come. You can turn back to Luke now. just wanted to read that, that passage. And in Luke 1:17, we're told that this child would go before him, and that's talking about going before God, going before the Lord, and ultimately we're going to see this is going before Jesus right before he begins his ministry. The third thing that the angel says this child would do is that this child would cause people to repent of their sins and live a God-honoring life. If you look again with me at Luke 1:17, it says and he will go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah, and then it says to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just. That phrase to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children is connected to the phrase and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just. He's talking about the same thing that this baby, this son John, would turn people to following the Lord God. And then the fourth thing that the angel talks about this child doing is that this child would get people ready for the Lord's coming. If you look again at verse 17, he says, And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just." And then it says, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. So this child's role, what the angel says in this birth announcement, what he says that he would do, is that this child's role would be to come before Jesus. This child's future was laid out that he would be the one who would get people ready, as it says, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. This child was special. This child was called by God. So that is the birth announcement. It was some announcement. Okay, usually today parents find out that they're having a baby and, and eventually they know the gender. Eventually um, they uh, find out what gender the baby is. And here we see Zachariah gets a whole lot more than just the gender. He finds out what this child would do, what he should do with this child. He gets a ton more than we usually find out about our baby before it's born. That is the birth announcement of John, and we know him later in the scriptures as John the Baptist. Now I want to look at his parents' responses. So the second thing I want us to consider is his parents' responses. And again, I keep comparing it to us having children, because many of us can relate if you either have children or you have loved ones who have children. And when we think about responses to finding out you're going to have a baby one of the most natural reactions, responses, is to go tell someone. You want to tell your family, you want to tell your friends, you want to tell your church family uh, that you are having a baby or, or maybe a family member's having a baby. You want to go tell people and share that if you're allowed. And that's what makes Zachariah's response ironic in what happens to him. Okay, Zachariah responds in doubt. So look with me at Luke 1, Verse 18. Luke 1.18, we find his response. It says, And Zachariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. So he questions the validity of what the angel tells him. He wants it proven, as he says, How shall I know this? So he doesn't take the angel's word at face value, but he, he wants this to be proven. He wants a sign. And he shows by this question that he doesn't immediately believe that he's going to have a son. Notice the angel's answer. Okay, look with me at verses 19 and 20, and we find the irony here of what's going to take place because of his response. Verse 19 says, and the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place because you did not believe my words which will be fulfilled in their time. So an occasion that Zachariah would have wanted to go tell people about, he is made silent. He is not going to be able to go and audibly tell people that he's going to have a child. And also the irony of this is that Zechariah wants a sign he wants it to be proven and the angel is pretty much saying you want a sign okay here's your sign I'm going to make you silent till this baby is born as you just think about this think about the situation think about Zechariah and Elizabeth's situation they couldn't have a baby for years they didn't think they were going to have a baby and now Zechariah can't even go audibly tell his wife this news most likely, and, and it's even referred to in the passage, he probably could have used signs or even written uh, this, but he couldn't talk with his wife. He couldn't talk with people about this child, um, maybe even what they, their dreams or aspirations about this child. He can't do that because of his doubt. So, as I said, most likely, Zachariah, he probably could speak or he probably could communicate this with signs, maybe by writing this news down. Uh, So Elizabeth does eventually find out, and we're told about when she uh, becomes pregnant. If you look with me at Luke chapter 1 and skip a few verses down to verse 24, we get Elizabeth's response to becoming pregnant. Luke 1 verses 24 through 25 says, After these days his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. So it's not clear why Elizabeth keeps herself hidden for five months when she becomes pregnant, but I want to focus on just her brief response that's recorded. She says, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among the people. Her response is to give credit to God for this pregnancy. She gave credit where credit was due. It could have been easy in her excitement, in her joy to forget about God and just be excited about this baby, but she points to God and she gives him credit that he has provided her and Zechariah a child. That's her response, and it leads nicely into when this baby was born. Look with me now at Luke 1, 57, and I want to read all the way to verse 66, and I'd ask, it's a little bit of a longer passage, just pay attention to the word. It's a It's a story, so it's a little bit easier to understand. But look with me at Luke 1, 57 through 66, and we see this child is born. And and just pay attention to their responses, their reactions. Starting at verse 57. It says, Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son. And her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. And on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child, and they would have called him Zachariah after his father. But his mother answered, No, he shall be called John. And they said to her, None of your relatives is called by this name. And they made signs to his father inquiring what he wanted him to be called. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, His name is John. And they all wondered. And immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed, and he spoke, Blessing God. And fear came on all their neighbors, and all these things were talked about through all the hill country of Judea. And all who heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, What then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was with him. So we see John is born, we see their reactions, we see them rejoicing, but I want us to just, just want to point out uh, something that could be easily missed. And I want you to pay attention to Zachariah's response. If you look again at verse 64, it says, And immediately his mouth was open and his tongue loosed, and he spoke, blessing God. Again, after a whole pregnancy, okay, probably around nine months, he's not able to talk, he's not able to talk with his wife, he's not able to talk with other people about this baby, and the very first thing that seems to come out of his mouth is praising and blessings to God. And, and we're not going to read that passage, but if you just look down, uh, he actually blesses God. He prophesies uh, and praises God for this son uh, that is born. We see Zechariah went from doubt, and now he certainly believes, and he's praising the Lord uh, for what the Lord has done. So this is the birth announcement that the Gospel of Luke opens up with uh, And it's some birth announcement. So I don't know if you ever realized that, but the Gospel of Luke doesn't open up with Jesus' birth announcement. But it starts with this one. And and we're going to look in a few moments why I think he intentionally does this. We see that the Gospel of Luke opens with the announcement of the one who would ultimately announce Jesus. He opens with the one who would prepare the way for Jesus' ministry. A baby named John, and and as I said, we know him as John the Baptist. And we got to see his parents' reactions and responses. We saw Zachariah first doubt it. And we ultimately see that John the Baptist had very godly parents, as we see both praising and giving credit to God for what was done. And now... I want us to consider how John the Baptist announced the coming of Jesus. So I want to, I want to move away from this birth announcement now, and I want to skip ahead to uh, later in his life, and I want us to consider how John actually announced Jesus' coming. He didn't announce his birth, but he announced his coming, his ministry, uh, and, and what the Lord Jesus Christ would ultimately do. So how, just as John the Baptist announced the coming of Jesus, the coming of Jesus we are going to see uh, that we're to do the same. So the third and the last thing I want us to consider is how John the Baptist announced Jesus' is coming. And, and this is ultimately why I believe the story is included here in the beginning of Luke. It's not just random, it's not just a history retelling events, but I think Luke intentionally put John the Baptist's story here because this guy was going to be important. He was going to be special because he announced and he prepared the way for Jesus to come. Turn with me just two chapters over to Luke chapter 3. Okay, and we're going to look at this passage and then we're going to skip to John. And I want us just to consider John's announcement of Jesus. Luke chapter 3, and look with me at verses 15 through 17. There's a lot more that we could read, but I want us to just get the idea of what John did later in life when he had grown older. Luke chapter 3 verses 15 through 17 say, as the people were in expectation and were all questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Christ, John answered them all saying, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. So we're not going to spend too much time on this passage, but I just want to point out that the people were actually thinking that John, John the Baptist, was the Christ. As it says, uh, that they were all questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Christ. And then John makes it clear. He makes it abundantly clear, and he says, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming. He's talking about Jesus. He's announcing Jesus is coming. He's declaring that the Christ would come. Now I want us to to move to a different passage, and this is kind of where we'll, we'll land in the Gospel of John. We have a similar account, but it's, it's more personal. We see John actually with his disciples, with his friends, and we see him announcing Christ, and even further, he announces what Christ would do. So if you turn with me to the Gospel of John, this will be the last book of the Bible that we land in. But in John 1, verses 29 through 34, we get more of a personal passage of him actually dealing with some people that he was really close with uh, in announcing Jesus. So if you turn with me to John 1, and then I'll start at verse 29, and I want you just to notice how he announces Jesus. John 1.29 says, The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him, so that he is John the Baptist. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. So I want you to notice from this passage first that John announces the coming of Jesus. Okay, we see in verse 29, he goes so far as to say, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So John the Baptist, here before Jesus, ever began his ministry is saying, this man will sacrifice himself for his people. He will save them from their sins. John the Baptist does, doesn't only announce Jesus is coming, but he announces what he was coming to do. So he doesn't just say the Christ is coming, but he says, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So he says one day this guy is going to save his people from their sins. The second thing I want you to notice from this passage is I want you to notice John's humility. Okay, John realized his place in relation to Jesus. If you look again with me at verse 30. Verse 30 says, This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me, because he was before me. So John the Baptist was willing to declare that Jesus was greater than him, that Jesus was higher, that he was more deserving of honor than him. Okay, and if we think about this, John the Baptist, he was a guy that he ended up getting a following, and we're going to see that in a few moments, but he had his own disciples, he had his own people that that looked up to him, he was the leader of them, and we see here that this does not stop John the Baptist from pointing people to Jesus, getting the attention off him, and declaring who he was. John could have easily liked This attention, this following a little too much—that he wasn't willing to declare Jesus as greater than him. We see he's willing to proclaim Jesus and and make much of him. Look with me just a few verses. uh, Actually, the next the next verse, verse thirty-five, and I want to read to verse forty-two, as we see again another passage that talks about John doing exactly this. So I'll read from John one. Verses 35 through 42. It says, The next day again, John was standing with two of his disciples, says John the Baptist, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two of them who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. So here again, we see John the Baptist showing his humility. John showing that he saw Jesus as greater than him, as he proclaims who Jesus is, and and some of his disciples actually leave him and go follow Jesus. So they turn away from John the Baptist, and they go follow Jesus. They wouldn't be John the Baptist's disciples anymore. And in this passage, we don't see John fighting with them to say, no, stay with me. But He's given the attention to Jesus. He wants them to follow him. And further here, we see John proclaiming Jesus, and he's speaking again about him being the Lamb of God, speaking that he would sacrifice himself for his people. And his two followers go, follow Jesus, and we're told one of their names, and his name was Andrew, which we are told is the brother of a man named Cephas, which is ultimately Peter. And and I don't know if this is something that you already know, but I know in my study, it was something that I had never put two and two together, that John the Baptist actually was used by God to bring the disciple Peter to himself. Okay, We're told that Andrew is one of the ones that was John the Baptist's um, followers. and I'll read again at verse 40. It says, one of the two who heard John speak and follow Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. And Then we're told what Andrew did. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, We have found the Messiah. So through John the Baptist pointing Andrew to Jesus, Andrew is able to bring Peter, his brother, to Jesus. So God actually used, through a chain, uh, used John the Baptist to bring Peter to himself, to follow him, to be his disciple, and that was something I never had put together, but we see how the Lord used John the Baptist in this way. One last passage, if you just look with me at John 3, we see this just yet again, what John the Baptist did. John chapter 3, and I'll start at verse 26. We see the same things going on just with a different situation. John three, and I'll read from I'll read 26 to verse 30. It says, And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who is with you across the Jordan, to whom you bore witness, must decrease. We're told here that people were going to Jesus to be baptized. So John's followers, the people that looked up to him, are going to him, uh, to Jesus, to be baptized. And and John's disciples are concerned, and they're they're saying, uh, look, he's baptizing, and all are going to him. So people are leaving John and going to Jesus. In the last line, which was our call to worship, sums up John's response. And John responds simply there at the end and says, he must increase, but I must decrease. What John's saying is that Jesus needs to be the focus. He needs to be getting the attention. He needs the praise and glory, not me. There's that humility once again. John the Baptist knew his place. He knew where he stood in relation to Jesus. He knew his role, and that role was to make Jesus known, to prepare the way for him, and then he would get off the scene. That he wasn't to be the spotlight, he wasn't to be seeking attention. So what does this have to do with us? What's this story have to do with the Christmas story? Maybe even just consider, as Pastor Ree planned out this Advent series, why don't we just skip over this section and and go right to Mary? I'll answer this first by saying, we see that the story of John the Baptist's birth is is very related to Jesus' birth. As John would be the one to come before Jesus and make the people ready, and he would tell people about Jesus' coming. And we're going to look a whole lot more at Jesus' coming and and who he is in the weeks to come. But simply put, Luke includes John the Baptist's story. He's in our series because John the Baptist had a very big part in Jesus' ministry. And that was preparing the people and making Jesus known. The second thing as we think about how this should impact us, uh, and I want to make a point of application is that John needs to be an example that we follow this Christmas season. John should be a wake-up call to what our role as Christians is, and that is that we too are to announce to others Jesus coming. We're to announce to others who Jesus is and what he's done. John proclaimed Jesus and said he was coming and told people what he would do, and we too, this Christmas season and going forward, so not just this Christmas season, but going forward, We need to be telling people about Jesus, just like John did. John was used by God to bring his own disciples. So Andrew, as we saw, Peter and the unmentioned disciple to Jesus. And my question to you is, who is it that God will use you to bring to himself? Who is it that you need to have a conversation with about their faith and about your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? Who is it that you are going to begin telling about Jesus this very week? I think that's the challenge of John's life. So John the Baptist announced the coming of Jesus and made people aware of him, and we need to do the exact same thing as Christians. And then the third and last thing I want to make or mention, and it's another point of application, is that we should be challenged by John's humility. He was all about making Jesus known, not himself. He was all about giving Jesus attention in the spotlight, not himself. He was all about putting the focus on Jesus, not himself or anyone else. And all too often, we want to be the focal point. We want others' attention. We want other people's praise. And John needs to be an example to us that we should always be looking for Jesus to have the attention and Jesus to be praised rather than ourselves. So my question to you is, is this your mindset? Is your mindset like John's? He must increase, but I must decrease. All too often our mindset is, I must increase. This Christmas season, let's seek to place the attention on the one who it's all about, Jesus Christ. When it comes to what we are focusing on this Christmas season, Jesus should be getting the attention. When it comes to our individual serving, leading, teaching, our accomplishments, let's seek to give Jesus the praise and the honor rather than ourselves. So that's the first of two birth announcements this Christmas season. And the birth announcement we looked at today is not the focus. But it points to the one who is. The one we'll look at next week, and that is the birth of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for the birth of John the Baptist. Lord, as his birth is not the focus... It's not the one who's most important, but it's an example to us as Christians that we are to be announcing Jesus Christ, proclaiming and and telling other people about him, who he is, what he's done, and how he died on the cross for our sins. And Lord, I pray that this morning, going into this week and even uh, just going forward, help us to have the courage, help us to have the boldness to tell other people about Jesus Christ. Lord, help us to follow John's example and be able to tell people who he is and, and be able to just clearly uh, say what he's done for us. Lord, help us to do this. And Lord, also pray that John would be an example to us of uh, just in his humility, that we should not be seeking the attention, the spotlight, the praise, or the glory, but we should be seeking uh, to give all that attention, all that glory to Jesus Christ. Because that is what the Christmas season is all about. That is what all of our serving and leading, our accomplishments um, is all about. Lord, help us to give you the honor and you the glory rather than ourselves. Lord, I thank you for this passage. And Lord, as we move into the birth of Jesus Christ, teach us. uh, Help us to understand this in a great uh, and a renewed way. And just challenge us this Christmas season uh, to tell other people about you. uh, And to put the attention and the honor and the glory on you. And in your name I pray. Amen.